Welcome to episode 162 of the Juice Box Podcast. Today's episode is sponsored, as always, by Dexcom and by Omnipod. Dexcom, the makers of the G5 and soon-to-be-released G6 continuous glucose monitor. And if you want an insulin pump that is not tethered to you by tubing, the Omnipod is definitely the way to go. You'll learn more about both later in the show, but you can always go to myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox or dexcom.com forward slash juicebox for more information. There are also links in the show notes of this podcast and at juiceboxpodcast.com. I love this episode. Now, this is with Trisha. She is a teacher, but she's also the parent of a child with type 1 diabetes. So we're going to give you today a look at what teachers see when your children need things through the eyes of someone who knows what you need. See what I'm getting at? Trisha knows what it's like to be a teacher and an educator, and she knows what it's like to be the parent of someone with type 1. Trisha's also going to be incredibly honest, so this is a really unique perspective on an interesting subject. Please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before being bold with insulin. If you want to just remain a little anonymous, because I think you're probably going to say some things about <laughs> that you might not want people to connect you with, but I really think it's valuable, so I don't want you to feel impeded when you're talking. Maybe I can just do my first name. It's absolutely fine. A lot of people do that. My name is Trish, and I am a wife, and I have three sons. They're 15, 11, and 7. Our middle son, the 11-year-old, is the one who has type 1, and I'm also a school teacher. So I teach in a public school. I actually teach in two schools and have, between those two schools, about 600 students. So I teach, I teach art. You teach art. Okay. So Trish, I want to ask you a question. Your 11-year-old was diagnosed how long ago? We are coming up on three years in December. Okay. Prior to that, no connection with diabetes, anything like that? Um, my husband's side of the family, his, my husband's father um, had two siblings with type 1. Oh, okay. And so, yeah. So that's the only connection is his side of the family. How long have you been teaching? I have probably been in the classroom. I took a break for a while. So this is probably about year 11. So prior to your son's diagnosis, you'd been a teacher for some time. Right, I had. Right. And so I had taught um, middle school and high school was where most of my experience was. Mm -hmm. And then most recently, when we had moved, um, I got hired to teach K to 4. Okay. And so I've kind of taught all, um, all ages, and my husband's a college administrator, so I feel like between the two of us, we've kind of covered all the bases. Perfect. Now, here's why Trish is going to be on the podcast today. Trish is going to do very similarly to back around episode, I don't know, 120 something, where um, an endocrinologist uh, came on, or not an endo, a nurse practitioner came on, and she just really sort of gave her impression of her side of the exchanges that she has with patients. And Trish is going to talk about what it's like to be the teacher when everyone has, I don't know what the word is. Like, this is going to be so, so let's start by saying this, right? I'm going to go backwards a little bit. No one get offended. 
right? So, but, but because I've been that person, I've gone into a school and I've been like, listen, you don't understand. These are the things my daughter needs. She's going to die if you don't do this. This has to happen right here. This has to happen right there. I, I've never felt like I've been in any way outrageous. I don't push too hard. I don't try to like sneak like a Ferris wheel under a 504 plan or something like that. You know, like I'm pretty, I'm pretty reasonable. But at the same time, I've said it here a million times and I'm always cognizant that when I'm reeling off the things that you have to think about, about type one diabetes to a person who doesn't understand, I sound insane. And when I luckily didn't really get too much pushback after the initial pushback. So usually I say something, the school's like, okay, whatever, that sounds good. And we do it. But a lot of people get the, well, no, but we're not going to do that. And then this fight starts and you see it online all the time. And it, it just builds and builds and builds till you're like, my son's teacher is a, and then you hear there's cursing. And, and, and I'm sure the teachers at home, like just look, talking to her family going, oh my God, I have this student with this kid and blah, blah, blah. And the mother is just out of her mind. So Trish is going to give us a look in what it's like to be on the other side, except she now has the incredible perspective of having a child with type one diabetes herself. So Trish, this is going to be really exciting and maybe mean at some points, which might be fun. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it might be. What did you do when your son was diagnosed at school? How did you handle it at, and do you teach at the school where he goes? I don't. At the time when he got diagnosed, I taught in a different school district that was quite a ways away from um, where he attends. Mm-hmm. And we got diagnosed. Um, our children only get sick on Fridays and the weekend. So <laughs> um, it was really convenient. We spent the weekend in the hospital and um, the children's hospital said, we want him back to normal as soon as possible. Go ahead, take him back to school on Monday. Everything's going to be fine. So we um, kind of went in thinking this is going to be no problem. I took mm-hmm. off the day on Monday and kind of called the school and made appointments and said, we're bringing him back on Tuesday. We're, you know, this is our game plan. We know what we need to do. And the school really applied the brakes really hard and was like, whoa, 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 whoa. We're not ready for him to come back on our end. They felt like he was their only type one that they had had mm-hmm. um, in a really long time. And they weren't ready to have him come back because they didn't have a full-time nurse and no one at the school was trained. And, you know, so on the one end, you know, the hospital is telling us he needs to be normal, get him back as soon as possible. Right. And then, you know, on the other side, we have, um, you know, the school is saying, we don't think we can take him for a whole week. We've got to get our ducks in a row. So and this is your first... We were just, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going to cut you off for a second, but this is your first opportunity in this right on day one. Of, of really being the, the, the parent in that situation. Like you're not thinking like the school at this point because you're, you've heard from the doctors, go be normal, it's gonna be fine. And the, and the school was like, no, don't be normal, stay home. And, right. and we're gonna be, and, and now you probably, do you see at that moment, I'm gonna ask you, do you see both sides of the argument or do you see yours? Oh, absolutely. I saw both sides okay. because, you know, in my mind, I'm knowing you know, exactly what's going through their mind and mm-hmm. that the school, you know, I'm, I'm thinking as a teacher at the same time, I'm thinking as a parent for sure. Mm-hmm. And so our compromise to school, we kind of, you know, tried to just, you know, be calm and just kind of said, okay, well, talk to us a little bit about what you're worried about. And, you know, and let's see if we can kind of strike a compromise because we know what's best for him is to get him back in the classroom. And, you know, he's already feeling, 
you know, different and, you know, all traumatized. Sure. Things like that. So, um, you know, the school just said, we don't have anybody here to give him insulin and all those things. So we just kind of talked to them and tried to be very level-headed about, you know, what are your greatest concerns and can we meet those concerns? And obviously, I can't speak for all teachers and, you know, certainly I don't speak for all parents, but um, it worked out for us that their biggest concerns were, you know, how on earth do we give this kid his insulin? We don't know how to do all this stuff. So we just arranged that every day my husband's schedule, you know, he just kind of cleared a little bit of time during his lunch break to go over and give him his insulin. And really, it was a process of just kind of working with them of where they felt like they needed some help just kind of right away until they got all the people moved around in place to help take care of him. So we would go in um, and kind of take care of him. So that was kind of our first introduction of school not being quite ready and not knowing quite what to do. Right. Um and his principal, you know, is pretty organized and she did not, you know, she wasn't quite ready to just jump, jump in head first because she wasn't comfortable, you know, having the, the liability. It's interesting because it's a situation where you are suddenly thrust into a, a, a something where you don't understand your expectation based on how, you know, medicine works in America is that someone's going to help you with it. And right. you don't, so you don't know what you're doing. You're looking for help. And then someone turns to you for help and starts asking questions. And partly you're thinking... I don't actually know. You, you, you know, like you're asking right. me questions. I don't know. The kid's been in my house for two days with diabetes. What am I supposed to understand about this? Um, yeah. It, but but at the same time, they're making sense. I you know, there's no nurse here. We don't know what to do. We see he was about eight years old, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a little kid, and 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 so you guys had a dialogue that seems like it was really productive. But do you think that dialogue happened because you could put yourself in their shoes? I, yeah, and I think um, I think it certainly helped me not, yeah, just me coming in having that point of view of understanding what it looked like through their viewpoint and why they were worried. Um, and, you, and you're just being in a school system, you have kind of the lingo of knowing, you know, kind of what happens on a day-to-day basis. And I just had a better sense of what they needed from us in order to kind of move forward. And we had you know, requested and just said, you know, hey, can we talk to your head nurse who's in charge of, you know, all the nurses and can we go ahead and meet with her and talk to her about what we're willing to do and see if she feels comfortable. And when she kind of gave us the green light and said, I think this sounds reasonable, let's give it a try. Mm-hmm. Um, it ended up working okay, but there was, um, you know, a lot of training on our part too. Of course, I sure. feel like, you know, we were you know, who are we? We just spent this intensive weekend being trained and um, then we're turning around kind of helping his nurse know, hey, you haven't seen a kid with diabetes in a long time. This is what we were taught. So we were sharing a lot of resources with the school. And so in many regards, you know, I feel like it helped um, coming from that system, you know, being able to get him back in. You're also in that in a perp- in a situation where you're both sort of understanding it together at the same time. I, I mm-hmm. do know there the, sometimes conflicts come in where you come in as the parent with like a, a firmly held belief, which by the way, might not be a hundred percent accurate. It might just be what the doctor told you to, so you, he wouldn't drive off a bridge on the way home. And, you know, <laughs> and so, and now you're in the school and the nurse is like, no, no, I've been doing this forever. And you start banging heads there. And then yeah. how do you, how do you kind of artfully get past that? And, you know, I, I, I in the past I've tried to be, there was a time when I was just like, oh, I'll, I'll let them lead the way. And that got me nowhere. It ended up with Arden on the playground with like a blood sugar in the low 50s. And oh, then from there, I went to a little more, 
hey, if you kill my kid, I'm going to sue you and put my name on the side of this building and then sell it and tear it down with the money that I make from like, you know what I mean? And then set the ashes yeah. on fire, like, like that kind of feeling. And, and so they, then they were a little more scared and, and did some more things. We've blended now into a nice back and forth. But when Arden changed from, this is years ago now, but when she changed from elementary school into the middle school, I got up on a, a, a nurse who was just like, oh my gosh, no, that's not how we do it here. And I was like, well, that's how we do it here. So get on mm-hmm. board. And, and, you know, and so she said, well, you know, so Arden can just come down before lunch real quick. And I said, no, no, Arden's never, if I said, if this is successful, Arden will never see you. And, and no, no offense to you, but you're the nurse. Uh, that's where sick people go. Uh, in Arden's not sick. She just needs insulin. So, you know, we do this thing and we talk about it here all the time, but you know, Arden and I text back and forth and we make decisions together. We lean on the on the Dexcom share so I can kind of like follow, you know, if right. she goes outside of the parameters, we can kind of react if she doesn't hear it. And, but the poor nurse was just like, she, and, I, and I felt for her in the room because she was just like, no, this is different. Not how I do it. Scary. Ow. Yeah. You know? And I'm like, no, right. no, it's going to be fine. I promise. Um, but I couldn't break the barrier. She kept pushing for well, she can just come down once. Or how about here? Like, I need to know her. And I'm like, you don't need to know her. And I was like, there's a lot of kids in the school you don't know. And and, and I was tr- and I'm trying to, like, fight for this normalcy that I'm looking for. And finally, the only thing that got me past it was I looked at the administrator and said, listen, if I'm willing to text with her, then the decisions are on me. And I said, so let's be really blunt. If she has a seizure or she drops dead here, it's my fault, not yours. And it was funny because when I relieved that when when they realized that legally they wouldn't be bound, like it wasn't going to be their fault if something went wrong, mm-hmm. they were just like, okay, whatever, it's fine with us. And I thought, oh wow, that's what this has been about. Like, like right. you know what I mean? Like it was just really interesting. Yeah, I can't. Uh, I guess from a point of view of tying into that, and um, our son wears a Dexcom and an Omnipod as well, so we kind of keep track and we kind of do things in a similar way that you do. And we still have that situation where his nurse wants to check in. And and he actually, at his age, he had a great um, relationship with his nurse and he did not mind seeing her. So we never, you know, felt the need to say, don't, don't see her, even though we kind of manage similarly because he Mm. kind of liked that relationship. And so the district here kind of has the same, um, approach with their kids that they want to see them. They want to check in. And we've had some of the same now that he's 11, we're having some of the same conversations of, you know, when we do his 504 plan of, listen, I'm not going to be sending him down. And that's not a good use of his instructional time when he right. can do this in the classroom. And so we've kind of been having some of those battles. And I guess that that was one of the things that Um, you know, from my vantage point when I'm on social media, that just kind of makes me cringe and go, oh my gosh, I wish people knew how much pressure there is for teachers because teaching is not, I think what people remember from, you know, going to school when you were young, where there might've been one or two kids in your classroom who really needed a lot of attention or had really different accommodations, you know, that now we're at a place where there's so much to keep track of Mm -hmm. and, you know, kids, who, you know, with every kind of, um, from medical issues to just needing interventions academically to um, behavior plans. And, you know, when I hear people, I call it the nuclear option because I just feel like, you know, if one thing goes wrong, 
And you, of course, have to gauge how big is this thing? You know, some things require the nuclear option straight out of the gate. But most things are just things that, you know, you wouldn't do as a parent. But, you know, people want to just say, you need to go straight to the superintendent. That teacher needs to lose her job. And I thought, (laughs) if you knew that 12 of the 20-some kids that are in this classroom all have some kind of issue, maybe more than that, on any given day, there, I mean, there's just not enough hours in the day to fully, you know, our job is to teach children, you know, and to provide them the best education you can. And I kind of feel like you you kind of have a choice that you have to make. You either are going to become, you know, a medical, you know, mm-hmm. you know, almost a nurse practitioner yourself. You're trying to understand what does autism look like for these two kids in my room. And they both, it looks different on them. Um, you know, on both of them, I've got this kid who's on a behavior plan. And then I've got these kids who have learning problems and they have to get so many minutes of special education. It's my job to keep track of all those things. And pretty soon in your mind and in your classroom, it starts to feel like there's this three ring circus. And when I, you know, when I read, you know, where people are like, oh my gosh, you know, my bus or, you know, this routine changed or this person asked my kid that, you know, to not go to the bathroom right then and there. I just thought, yeah, that happens about a hundred times a day in my world. And, you know, and I just think it's it's easy for a person who's in that world to say, I, I can see how all those things happen and I can see that they're frustrating too. And, that, and, that and that I there's just a feel difference like, between malice and just what needs to happen to make the day work. Right. Right, right. And so yeah. let me, I'm going to back you up for a second. So I think that Arden's school would put her in classes with kids who needed help sometimes in many mm-hmm. varied ways because those were the teachers who were maybe a little more suited for it or a little more natural at it or something like that. So that the, mm-hmm. the district would think, well, let's put the kid with diabetes in with the kid who's on the spectrum because she's got more patience. She pays attention more. She's been at this longer. She's got more skills. She's had more diabetes kids like that kind of thing, which totally mm-hmm. makes sense. Right. And a few years ago, this is going back a number of years now, Arden never really asks about a lot of stuff about diabetes, but she's like, uh, can I stop being in the classes with all the kids who need help? In regular boring ads for the Omnipod insulin pump, maybe I'd say something real static like it has just two components, the small wearable pod and the handheld personal diabetes manager. With these two things, the Omnipod Insulin Management System lets you manage insulin delivery simply and discreetly. More convenient than daily insulin injections and more comfortable than traditional tubed pumps. The Omnipod System enables you to live life more freely. But because this is a podcast and I have personal experience that goes back years and years and years with the Omnipod, I would never say something boring like that. I would say this. How would you like an insulin pump that doesn't have tubing, that's not connected to anything, that is small and wearable and waterproof and you won't even know it's on you? How would you like that? How would you like to not have to disconnect to go swimming or to take a shower? I want you to have an experience where nothing holds you back, especially the pump that's giving you insulin, because it shouldn't and it doesn't have to. How would you like to be able to swap your pump when it's time to change it in minutes, mere minutes, automatically? Push a button and it injects itself. How would you like it if your insulin pump was a smaller, more discreet part of your life? I watched my daughter play four softball games yesterday over 12 hours. She had the winning hit in the championship game. She did all that wearing an Omnipod insulin pump. Hey, deep breath, kiddo. Hey, nine. 
Come on, Nines. Go hard, run! Safe! I want you to go to myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox or click on the links in your show notes or at juiceboxpodcast.com to get a free, no obligation demo of the Omnipod. You can try it on, hold it, see what it's like, and maybe one day you'll get a game-winning hit wearing it. Can I stop being in the classes with all the kids who need help? And I, I, I kind of talked to her a little bit about it, and the vibe I got from her is that it was making her feel like, like her diabetes was a thing, and she didn't mm-hmm. want to. She didn't want to feel like that. I said, "Yeah, I'll take care of it." So when I went into the five hundred four meeting the next year, I said, "Hey, just incidentally, I know you guys have been putting Arden with the, you know, the the kids who who have um, you know, special needs other and needs, right?" Days, and right? I said, "But she would really like to not be in that situation anymore." And I was hoping you could switch her. And the woman laughed, and she goes, "Every one of my classes is like that now." She's like, I don't have a class that I could put any of these kids in where there wouldn't be a kid who who needed something. And I was yes. like, oh, I, okay. You know, like, and I, so I said, oh, oh, I understand. I said, I'll explain it to Arden. But she was just like, look, there are so many kids in this school now who have some sort of an accommodation that if you want your kid to be in a room without a kid with an accommodation, don't send her to school. <laughs> it's like, yeah, <laughs> that is a, it is a true story. Yeah. And I don't. And that's what I'm saying. I don't think that people realize when you're hoping and, you know, you're wanting your teacher to, you know, and, and I've always said to my son's teachers, I don't expect you to be an expert on type 1 diabetes because thankfully he has two parents who work really hard at it. Yeah. And, you know, like we do what you're doing, we're keeping track of him all day long and texting him and saying, hey, you know, turn left, turn right, do this right. Um, with your blood sugar. But in, and at the same time, there's kids who don't. I had a student for the first time. Um, I've never had a student. So in 11 years of teaching, I've never had a student with type 1. Mm-hmm. And so if that kind of gives people some perspective, you kind of get used to living with type 1 and you forget that many other people, including their teachers, this may be their very first round of seeing a kid with type 1. And so I kind of try to always approach his teachers and say, listen, I don't need you to be an expert, but if you ever have questions, please know that, you know, I, I want to have that open dialogue with you. And a lot of times if, you know, teachers perceive that that's going to be, you know, it's okay for me to ask questions when I don't understand. Um, we've had some good conversations, but that particular student who came to us, his family did not, wasn't able to support him in his care. And so they relied pretty heavily on the school to help them. And so, you know, at the same time, I feel like we can't take for granted that there's kids with type one as well. I take for granted sometimes when I talk to the school and say, listen, you should let me and my kid just do this thing on our own. And then I think of, you know, some other families and go, Ooh, that would go really, really wrong. So Trish, I talk about that here a lot, like with the doctor's office, like sometimes you get this very pedestrian, advice from your doctor. Uh, and But in fairness, the doctor doesn't know if you're the brightest person they've ever met or if you're you know, just one step away from tripping over your own foot and banging your head on the ground. They don't know mm-hmm. who you are. They don't know your level of understanding, of intelligence, of drive, of determination, of interest. Right. They have no idea. So that's why... That's why like, when we talk about like being bold with insulin on the podcast, I'm comfortable with it here because it's in context. 
And right. so if people can listen to it and go, you know what, that's more than I want to do, more than I can handle, they can be honest with themselves internally, right? But mm-hmm. but but at the same time, if someone if someone hears it and goes, yeah, why didn't someone give me the accelerated path? This is what I want to do. You know, it, that way it's it, it's explained, it's out in the open, and you're in a private place when you make the decision. But a doctor or a teacher, they don't know. They have no idea. You're like, you're just a lady that comes in once in a while. I'm, I'm just a guy that comes in once in a while. I sign my name on the thing. I go back to the nurse's office. I drop off a couple juice boxes, and I leave. They don't know me. Right. You, you know? Um you made right. a point. And I, go, ahead. go ahead. No, no, I, go, I want you to go, but I, I have a thought I want to get out afterwards. Well, I think, and I think that's what the point is when nurses and people, and this is kind of, I guess, where I want people to try to really, when they deal with schools and they deal with challenging situations, you know, whether it's teachers or administrators and they're fighting through their 504 plans, you really almost need to think of what is this, you know, this person's also trying to protect themselves, you know, from liability, from the, you know, someone who would legitimately sue them, you know, and I had to acknowledge I was in a meeting and I can kind of tell you what the battle we had this year was with our Dexcom a little bit, but I was, um, you know, you almost have to think through what is the worst case scenario? Is a school possibly thinking about this? I mean, because they can't have, it's really, really hard to have exceptions Um, to the rules for everybody. So it's easier for the school to have a uniform policy of this is how we deal with all diabetics because, you know, if there's six diabetics in school or 10 and all of them handle diabetes differently, it makes it really crazy for the people caring for them to say, well, this kid does it this way and this kid does it that way. So it's easier for the school to kind of come down and say, we just need to have some uniformity so we don't lose our minds. And so that's frustrating for people like us who have a good handle on it, but it also gives some safety to um, students who don't have that kind of support at home where school is the only consistency they get. You know, we have students whose parents, you know, would sell their medication. And the only time they get it is if the school has control of it, you know. So there's always that other side of what do you do with the families and the students who don't have support, who their parents don't fill their prescriptions and take care of all of those things. And so having some procedures in place, you know, and I think sometimes you just have to go into the school almost thinking of this is the worst case scenario and this isn't a, you know, they're in this position and they have this policy for probably the worst case scenario. And we need to try to work up from there and help them understand that we're not in that position. I also, you know, yeah, I also think that it's important for you to go in there and represent yourself properly. Let, let them really see who you are and that you have maybe a firmer grasp of what's happening. It's, you know, I, I, I say this, if, if any of you have ever spoken to me on the phone privately, like, if at some point I'll say, Hey, I can really tell that you're getting this, um, you know, and trust yourself a little bit, but there are once in a while a person I talk to, I don't say that to because they're not getting it yet. You, you, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like you can kind of, you have to gauge who you're talking to. You, you, you keep making me think of this very simplistic example from my hometown, but there's a pothole on my street. It's not a big one. It's not a scary one. It's not the kind that eats your car. It just sucks. You kind of have to go around <laughs> it a little bit. Right. And, a few blocks away, there is a pothole where there was that would have eaten your car. And they fixed it. And then my neighbor saw me and was like, can you believe they fixed that pothole and not ours? And I was like, yeah, because that one was the size of the moon and this one's the size <laughs> of my fist and just stinks a little bit. Like, like, right. But in his world, that was his problem. 
Like, do you know what I mean? Like, he didn't drive mm-hmm. on the street with a giant pothole, so he didn't give a crap. He he right. wanted he wanted his problem taken care of. And here's the thing: that's not unreasonable. And at the same time, it's not unreasonable what the school's doing. And so you're in that spot where everyone just needs to understand. Now, don't get me wrong. Some schools suck. Some of the stories I've heard, I've looked through and I'm like, wow, this is just ignorance. Do do you know what I mean? Like, then we're not talking about that. Right, right, right. We're just talking about trying to understand the other side or what the other side's going through. Because understanding what they're going through is only going to give you better tools to get through it and get what you want at the end. You know what I mean? Like, it'll stop you from running up against brick walls all the time. Um, because you know what I mean? Yes. Mm. And I've, I've commented to people before online when, you know, people, I think it's helpful when you're dealing with schools. I think I said already to, you know, keep things really step away from it, you know, take some time to let yourself cool down and say, okay, I need to put this in perspective, you know, on a scale of one to 10, or, you know, is this like you said, a giant pothole or with a little pothole, you know, (laughs) because, I think what parents, when they, you know, choose that nuclear option and they get you know, so mad that they are you know, calling for heads to roll and fire this teacher and this person needs to lose their job. I think it gives, um, you know, part of the problem that I think people have is we've, we've gotten to this place in our culture that when something doesn't go our way, we just like to threaten lawyers because that gets a lot of attention and I'm going to sue you. And what it really does in education, like it probably does in other things, is it really gives people paralysis mm-hmm. because most teachers, and I will say most, there's some really terrible ones that exist, but there's really, for the most part, it's a, it's a service, you know, job. And we're not in it because the money is amazing. You know, most people are in it for the right reasons. And I think that when people feel threatened and school systems feel like we're going to have, you know, we're going to have a lawsuit on our hands. If we don't do this the right way, or if something goes a little bit wrong, these parents are going to come after us. It really, instead of it being kind of something that's um, you know, fighting for your kid. If you make the school system afraid of you, you know, you didn't go from being this person has always been reasonable and now we've got this thing that we need to solve. You know, this problem, if you if you go to that, I think it really gives people a lot of paralysis over, I don't want to, you know, touch the student. I don't want to deal with the student because what if I do it wrong? Mm-hmm. You know, what if something goes really wrong and it's on me? Yep. And I think it keeps people sometimes who have their heart in the right place and they want to do the right thing from really doing the right thing. And I had a situation like that for myself the other day where a student was not, um, he was refusing to get out of his car to come to school. And, um, you know, it's kind of a long story, but. Um, it got to the point where I was literally going to need to drag this kid away. He ended up kicking um, a glass door, mm-hmm. was just repeatedly kicking this glass door. And, you know, I had this little momentary conflict where I'm like, I am not trained to touch this child. And we're trained. You don't touch a kid unless, you know unless you have to, to keep them safe because you're, you know, you're liable. If anything happens to that kid, if they get hurt, if they get injured, they can sue you. And I'm thinking in my mind, I need to get this kid to a safe place. But then on the other side, I'm like, you know, if I end up doing something and he dislocates a shoulder, cause I'm trying to get him from putting his foot through a window, you know, right. or this door, you know, so you have this little internal thing of what's the worst consequence. Do yeah. I keep him safe or get sued and lose my job? Cause the parent's <laughs> mad. 
you know, and that's and so I think that's the danger of us using that as our go-to reaction all the time. Is it really just makes people have paralysis where mm-hmm. they're like, I want to do the right thing and I want to help here, but I also don't want to lose. It's funny. You made me think of something from when I was a child, but there's this kid going like bonkers, you know, just out of his mind. <laughs> I just remember a teacher just grabbing him by the front of his shirt and pushing him against the door and being like, stop. <laughs> and then the kid um, went, and the kid was like, oh, yeah, right on. And then, then that was the end of it. Now, I'm not up for that. Like, I don't want somebody jacking right. my kid up on a wall. But it, it is, we are so far removed from, like, what do you do when someone's absolutely out of their mind? Like, I don't want, for instance, I'm not looking for cops to shoot just anybody they want to. But at some point, I saw a video online the other day. I don't know if you saw it. It's fascinating. But this, it's a car stop. But then the, there's like, he's a young, like strong kid. And he starts like screaming and yelling and actually chasing the police officer. And the police officer backed away from him to avoid the conflict. And I was like, wow, in 1973, that kid would be dead right now. You, right. you know, but instead the cop kept backing away, backing away, backing away. He ran at one point. He pulled out a taser. He tased the kid. It didn't really like, affect him which now makes you think he's probably high right and then the kid gets back in the car and starts speeding around and crashing into the police car and everything and i'm like oh my god the cops still didn't shoot him like this guy is a saint you you, you know what i mean but but he's not really yeah but he's a product of this moment he's weighing in his mind what is the cost of me taking action and and that is what is happening in our schools is because everybody is using that as their go-to card. And I am not saying there are times where I have read things online and just thought I am just ashamed for my profession that somebody handled this this way. But for the most part, I feel like pretty reasonable Mm -hmm. if you go in in the right place. And so the story of, you know, it kind of, (laughs) um, we had initially, you and I had been kind of, um, we had an earlier date to record. And I just thought it's kind of funny that I'm having this like, issue with our school in the Dexcom because now I have to like practice what I preach and go in and <laughs> not use the <laughs> nuclear option. Um, but it was kind of a good test to see, you know, how things would go. But we ended up with our son. He was not, um, he's, he's been in the same building for a while, but last year we would get pretty good numbers most of the day. But then this year when he moved up to a different portion of the building, we got nothing, no numbers the whole day. And so you had a bad so, signal. You couldn't get you couldn't get a signal out of the school. Like, we could not. Okay. Nothing. And every once in a blue moon, it would pick up, and we're like, "Oh my gosh!" You know, <laughs> we see numbers, and it was making him crazy because he's like, "Stop texting me!" Right, and we're right, like, right. "We can't see anything. Please help <laughs> us!" You know. And so he was getting really frustrated. And the school's solution was, "Well, you know, this is a case. He just needs to come down and check in with us multiple." <laughs> to which I was like, um, no, that's not really what's going to happen. We need to solve what the issue is. And so another parent and I, you know, we kind of got together and said, let's kind of make our short list of issues. Let's go together. Let's talk because mm-hmm. um, her child was having the same exact issue. And, um, you know, so first we knocked on the door gently, you know, with the principal and said, this is our issue. And, you know, again, it's just... I think that we forget because, you know, when you live with type one all the time, we are, you know, really to the extent that you're a parent, you just live with it all the time. And you're so used to it that you forget that everybody else for the most part knows nothing, Yeah. you know, or what they think they know is not about type one. It's about type two. Mm -hmm. And so you go in and you're trying to explain all this. And I felt like the whole meeting was just 
I did not know all these things. And, you know, this new principal just kind of had this look of horror on her face. Like, oh, what are we going to do? When Arden was five, um, a superintendent asked me, can't she just take care of this on her own? And I was like, <laughs> oh. well, she's five. I was like, I, was like, I don't yeah, even no. really trust her to, like, stay in the living room by herself too long. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like <laughs> should I give her the insulin, you think? Let's talk about the Dexcom Continuous Glucose Monitor. Right now, the G5 is the way to go, but very soon, in mere, I can't say how long because I don't exactly know, but we're talking about probably weeks, the G6 becomes available. Now, when that happens, ooh, cutting edge technology. But let's focus, let's focus. I'm gonna keep talking about the softball from yesterday. I'm gonna bring up Arden's graph while we're talking about it from her Dexcom. This is amazing. So her overnight is spectacular. I mean, considering that she played softball for 12 hours. Now the decisions we made during the day with insulin, as far as basal rates and boluses and food, they all had a huge impact on her day. Her blood sugar was nice and steady in a great range through 12 hours of softball. We were able to set up temp basils at the end of the day that would stop lows from coming later. So even overnight, Arden's blood sugars were fantastic. And that led right into a new day where we have more great blood sugars. Every one of these decisions is made with the information that comes back from our Dexcom continuous glucose monitor. When to set up a temp basil, when to turn it on, when to shut it off, how much to bolus. Hey, can I have a bagel and chocolate milk? Absolutely, no problem, because I'll be able to see what happens to your blood sugar. I'll give you some insulin. If I'm wrong about the insulin, I can give you more. If I gave you too much, I can turn your basil off. There's so many adjustments that can be made, all with the information that returns from the Dexcom. I've now spoken past the music, but I don't care. I'm crazy about Dexcom. Go to Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox or click on the link in your show notes or at juiceboxpodcast.com. Do that to find out more about Dexcom today. I promise you the information that comes back from the Dexcom continuous glucose monitor is priceless. I didn't even talk about the share feature today. I didn't even talk about it. And it's like the best part. I promise next week in the ad, I'll talk more about the share feature. All right, let's get back to the podcast. When we left off, I was about to talk about the superintendent who said something really silly to me, like, can't my five-year-old daughter just take care of her diabetes? We'll pick it up there. He wasn't yeah. being a jerk. He just didn't. He didn't know. You know. Yeah. And, and, that's, and I think that that is wisdom for people, too, to understand that when you go in and you're like, listen, mm -hmm. you know, this is this, you know, I mean, you're literally dealing with people who probably don't want to come off and be like, hey, we have your kid eight hours a day and we have no idea what you're talking about. Right. But you need to kind of in your mind know that most people don't know what you're talking about. They are probably far more familiar with every other kind of, you know, peanut and nut allergy and autism spectrum. They probably have far more, you know, I know they have far more training with that than anything else. Yeah. Um, so what it ended up being back to the Dexcom issue for us was that, you know, we kind of, she, the principal recognized there's a need for this. I see the value in it because I was able to kind of show her, hey, mm -hmm. I didn't have numbers here. And in this little time, I thought he was good. And really, he was 40, you know, by the time I got him home. And she was just like, oh, my gosh, you know, so visuals are a powerful thing. Yeah. Say, hey, here, here's what bad things happen while we're not watching. And um, so then she was like, well, let me bump this up to, you know, the tech people. Well, the tech people, it didn't, you know, they were just kind of like, well, we don't think it's on our end. You know, maybe it's just the building and the building doesn't have a good, maybe it's, you know, and so we just kept knocking, not getting 
you know, and I had just told this other parent, listen, it's not really, my philosophy is we're going to be respectful and we're going to assume that they, you know, don't really know all the things and, you know, and then if we need to push that option and, you know, keep going to the top, we will, but I'm going to try to be, and now I work in this district, so I'm like, I can't afford, you know, (laughs) I did not want to have the reputation of just going in with both, you know, guns blazing. And so anyway, it, it, what it turned out to be eventually, it was just getting the right person talking to enough people and kind of educating. This mm-hmm. is what a Dexcom is. This is why it's valuable to us. And, you know, and really getting, you know, just spending enough time getting people to listen, which can kind of be frustrating to where one person was like, oh, you know, maybe it's the firewall. Right. We should try the firewall. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what it was. The moment... This other parent, as a fa- matter of fact, called Dexcom and talked to them, and they were like, hey, you should give the school this little thing. Let them open this up on the firewall. See if it makes a difference, and if not, we'll call them and see if we can help them through it. And sure enough, that was all we needed the whole time. Right. And we had been having this you know, conversation of just round and round and round for two months about what are we going to do. And it ended up being something simple, but, you know, your inclination is to just say, you're not listening to me, so let me, you know, and I mean, I, I was just kind of like, the the plan of getting other people, bigger, badder people involved is going to come when we just feel like we've kind of exhausted all of the politeness and meetings that we have, you know, where then we're going to go ahead and go, you know, do what we need to do to, you know, do the right thing for our kid. But I tried just to encourage people that I see online who are frustrated with schools to just really um, don't burn bridges that your kids need because you as a parent can walk away and, you know, be mean and nasty and say all the things you want to say to the school and your teachers. But at the end of the day, if your kid is still in that school, he needs those people. And they're now afraid to interact with them. She needs those people. Yeah. 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 They're afraid to interact with them. Now I think it, it, what is good advice is you have to go somewhere private for a second, look in the mirror and really be honest with yourself and say, am I being, I I know that this is necessary, but am I being reasonable? Am I understanding both sides of this? Am am, am I just going to go in and start a fight for the, you know, when you're, you're married, Trish, you know, when Mm -hmm. you look at your husband and you think, I'm going to say these three words and then we're going to argue. And then you say them anyway. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. You yeah. know, you could just be like, I'm just going to swallow that because that would be better. Sometimes maybe the frustration puts you in that situation. You have to check yourself. You really do have to look and think, am I the one who's being unreasonable here? Like, like because the reasonability of what you're asking for and the way you're presenting it, those things are not together. You're not the... Let me just think about the right way to say this. Your actions are not necessarily a reflection of the earnestness of the, of the of the statement. D- does that make sense? Like you know, just because you you need something that's right, if you say it wrong, you're still saying it wrong. You, you right. know, it's just you can't. It, it, it's a package. You have to say it correctly. You have to, these people need to understand who you are. They have to go, have an expectation that you're a reasonable person. You have to take the time to to teach them about the the disease. So when you're using words and phrases and ideas, they're not just going in one ear and out the other. There's a lot. It's unfair. You've been given this mm-hmm. unfair disease, and now you have this unfair task of teaching the school about it. It sucks, but it. And, and here's something you said earlier. It's funny. I don't make notes about the podcast. Which some people are probably like, yeah, we can tell, baby, buddy. But uh, <laughs> but but um, but I wrote down the word. Ser- I wrote the word service industry down before I called you. Right, it's the only thing I wrote down because uh-huh. it occurred to me that 
it's it's a fair and unfair statement, but teachers and schools they are a service industry. I pay my taxes or I pay to go to private school. My expectation is that you're going to keep my kids safe and healthy and educate them. And at the same time, that's an unfair statement about what a school is. A school is so much more than that. Mm-hmm. But, but, but we live in a world where everything's service-oriented at this point. Do you know what I mean? Like I don't, yeah. I don't make my own transistor radios, and I don't, you know, I don't even put the food on my grass to keep it green. I, I, it's actually cheaper for a guy to come to my house and do it than it would be if I went to the Home Depot, bought the bags, and did it myself. And so mm-hmm. everything's sort of gauged like that now, and everything feels like I paid you do it. You know what I mean? And and right. that, it's not unreasonable. I, I've given you my money. You've offered me a service. And now I would like it performed properly. And if you don't perform it properly, well, then you're fired. And now, but but a school's more than that. A school's a community in a in a much deeper way than that. So, but, but still the feeling's there. Like, hey, mm-hmm. I paid my taxes. You already only come get my recycling every 14 days. What, now Now I get a teacher who doesn't understand diabetes? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, what what's next? Right. Well, and I think that's where, you know, in addition to, like you said, you know, kind of checking yourself, you know, kind of asking yourself, am I being reasonable? If you really, you know, try to, I think it's just helpful in all things of trying to imagine yourself in that teacher's, you know, shoes of, um, you know, I'm an art teacher and I just laugh sometimes because you know, I'm like, sometimes I, you know, you can't, can't be all things to all people. The kid who has, um, you know, who has autism, you know, his family's coming to school that day saying, these teachers are going to give my kid excellent care and I need them to know my student and what his, you know, issues are and how to handle him and what he likes and what he doesn't like. And then there's someone who has, you know, a kid who has, emotional problems and that parents coming to school today saying, I need the school to understand this. I need to have the school understand that. And the, you know, students who can't, you know, read or they need all these extra accommodations because they need help learning in different ways. And I think if you, you know, if you just put yourself in the shoes of someone else and to say what might be going on, you know, in my art room at any given time, you know, someone may be painting on their neighbor's clothing. You know, so I may not be paying attention to, you know, at that moment where Jimmy is literally coloring, you know, green all over his face, you know, with a marker, I'm, I may not be, you know, I looking may, in that direction, they, even yeah. I may ask your child, can you wait just a few minutes to use the restroom? Because I've got bigger problems over here. Someone's giving <laughs> themselves a haircut in the corner, you know, and it's not because I'm insensitive to diabetes. It's because there's, you know. There's 12 other kids in here who have their thing too. And it's not just, you know, so I feel like sometimes people forget that there are, it's not just my kid. And, you know, my words for, you know, kids who are especially, so I feel like in the younger grades where you have one teacher, you know, chances are in the elementary school, they get a lot of, you know, a teacher who really does know them. Um, I think some of the issues when I see people complain about teachers, a lot of times they may not, you know, be fully aware that when your child goes to specials, um, like I said, I have 600 students. So for me to know your child well enough to know them and know when they're off or to know, and, and remember, frankly, remember all the different things. Right. 
you know, your kid has a seizure disorder, which is different from this kid's seizure seizure disorder. You know, you go through all these things, you know, you get to where you're like, oh my gosh, there's no room in my brain left to keep track of everybody's down to every little detail. So, um, you know, and you, you get into that issue too, when not only when your kids go to specials, when they're in elementary school, those teachers are dealing with hundreds of students. And then when they get into high school and middle school and they're moving teachers, those teachers, you know, they don't get to know them in the same way that they do at the elementary school. So, you know, you kind of have to adjust your expectations a little bit of really just ask yourself, how well would this person have the opportunity to know my child? So what's the answer? Is the answer that there's no fix? Like, right, that you're you're not going to Put, be in a most people aren't going to be in a perfect situation for them uh, the teacher and the student at, at the right. like, you know maybe somebody listening's kid goes to a very small school where it's easy to get that kind of attention or something like that but i think the answer ends up being for me like here's how it occurs to me and how i've dealt with it to me it's about safety i push about safety issues and to me, safety means, you know, in the moment safety, like no incredibly low blood sugars, or, but it also means no persistently high blood sugar. Safety means health. Safety mm-hmm. means me being able to tell you, and we've been talking for 45 minutes and I don't know, but I'm going to look, Arden's blood sugar is 117. That to me is safety. Like, mm-hmm. like that her blood sugar is where I want, where I want it to be. That, that she's not sitting there with a 150 or a 200 or a 250 blood sugar. That the, the safety. Outside of that, the rest of it are nice to haves. Like, I, you know what, I, I, you know, like, do you know what I mean? Like, this would be nice to have. And, and I'm getting it. So yay me. And I'll tell you one thing I do is when I go into the 504 meeting every year, I always look on the 504 for something she's aged out of, and I give it back to them just to make, uh-huh. their, to make their life easier. I go, hey, you don't need to do this anymore. And, and yeah. even if it's not a big deal, you should see the, 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 the sense of like, happiness on their side they're like oh thank you and i'm like absolutely that's that's one last thing for us to be keeping you know one year i had two things i could have given back i only gave back one of them so i'd have the other one to give back the next year and (laughs) (laughs) way to go way to be nice and i was like because i want to keep this good feeling that i've now built because i have built a really good feeling with our school now nobody looks at me like the crazy person if i ask for something it happens you know generally speaking my daughter's on the the teacher's wi-fi so she's not blocked by the firewall um, you know, there was a year where she was down a hall, you know, schools are cinder block boxes. So she right. was down a hall with no cell signal. I bought a AT&T micro cell, which created its own Wi-Fi, And they let me plug oh. it in one of the rooms in the middle of the hallway, created her own Wi-Fi in the hallway. I came at the end of the year and I took it back. And when they didn't know how to put it in, I came and put it in. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It would have been easy to be like, here, put this in. It's your problem. But what the guy was like, what? You you know, like, what am I going to do? And I was like, no, you know what? I'll do it. I'll learn about it. I'll figure out how to use it. All I need is to, you know, I need the, the ethernet cable that goes into your teacher's computer. I need it to go into this box and then into your teacher's computer. If our computer doesn't work after that, we'll fix it again or we'll figure something else out. But they, and that's a big deal. And my, my, my daughter's principal is like, yeah, that's fine, man. Just like he was like, yeah, go ahead. But it, had I had that been the first thing I asked for, or if I would have come in yelling, your school doesn't have a signal in this hall, and it's your fault, and I'm going to pay for this thing, but you should be paying for it. But here, stick it and jam this box in his face. The guy, you have to understand that when it's all over, forget school, teaching, everything. We're all people. When you walk right. out of that room, that guy's going to close his door and be like, what an 
ass. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, like he's just going to think you're a jerk. And, and, right. and that doesn't make, that doesn't put him in a position where he's like, Hey, let me now take the next half hour of my life and really make sure this works out for this guy. It, it, you right. know, so, and you would do the same thing on your end if somebody was harsh to you. And I think that's, you know, goes right back to what you were saying of how it's delivered, how the message is delivered mm-hmm. with schools makes a big difference because, excuse me, down the road as, you know, you might need the school to do something extra. And you just have to be really cautious of, like I said, how you're burning bridges or, you know, tr- being accommodating when you can. And I think yeah. um, you had asked, you know, what is the, you know, how do, how do you kind of win with your kids? And, that, you know, there's no ideal circumstance. I would say that um, when I get at the beginning of the year um, this giant stack, you can imagine, with as many students as I have, of all of their accommodations and all of their 504s. And it's just endless amounts of paperwork that you're like, oh, I can tell that this weekend I get to read and try to absorb all of this stuff and how do I keep track of all this. I think that, you know, for type one kiddos, any way that you can make the school's life easier to understand because chances are they are learning about the disease and your child likely knows way more than they do. They're, you know, older. Um, so I, at the start of each year, I kind of typed up this very just easy, this is what type one diabetes looks like on my kid. And it was just kind of some simple bullet points of, you know, kind of safety things, you know, he wears this device and he should not be below this point, or these are quick things that he needs to do. Um, and I got some really good feedback from the teachers of this makes it really easy to understand instead of reading through what the school provides to them, which is all this formal, very formal, I mean, you have to really sift through it and try to read through the, you know, it's just all very formal. It's a lot of vocabulary too that you don't Yeah, it's a lot of vocabulary Mm -hmm. and like 90% of it doesn't apply to you because, you know, Mm -hmm. it may apply to other areas and you're sifting through it trying to say, okay, get me to the nuts and bolts of what I need to know to keep this person safe and as happy as they can be. Of really, if you can just give them kind of a, hey, this is my kid, and this is what I noticed. You know, I included some of um, Owen's, you know, what does a low look like for him? You know, kind of what he might behave. If you notice these things, you know, these are good things to check. Um, and a lot of teachers were just kind of like the package was nicer than what they would have gotten. Of just kind of, hey, in your leisure, read through these kind of, this quick little cheat sheet. Yes of what diabetes looks like for him, what he might be asking. I gave them permission and said, hey, you can even cut and paste out this little blurb to give to your sub. You know, when you're gone, please make sure your substitute knows. So, we had, yeah, we had that card too, and it was for the subs. And then Mm -hmm. the school one day said, this is so valuable. Can we give this to all the teachers just to look at? And I was like, yeah, sure. Like, but it, it, it was, it was, it was a fix for something else. It was sort of this cheat sheet for your, you thought like, well, the sub comes in, let's let them in two minutes absorb stuff that'll really make the day safe. And then the school was like, you know what? I think this is valuable for everybody to have. And, and, that, and I think, go ahead. Yeah. You're just making it easier for them. Yes. And giving them a tool that they probably hadn't thought through, you know, and sometimes they just don't have time yeah. to do that. And, and the other important thing here is that as Arden got older, we stopped doing that. It doesn't exist anymore because Arden's more, she can care for herself more at this point. And, and I think that's something to try to remember too, much like with most problems in the world, in your life, 
you will age out of your problems at some point or grow out of them or move past them or, or whatever you end mm-hmm. up doing. I Listen, I don't say it here very often, but at the beginning of the year this year, I went into the nurse's office and I gave her two juice boxes. I gave her a, an extra Omnipod and an extra Dexcom uh, insert. Meanwhile, she'll never use them. I put them there in case I need them. And mm-hmm. and, and I was like, and hey, here's a glucagon and some... And, and, and then I have... Um, uh, glucose tabs, which Arden doesn't use, but I give them to the nurse to make her feel better. I'm like, and here's some, <laughs> yeah. and here's some glucose tabs, and I give her this little thing because that's what she expects, and she's thrilled when I hand it to her. And Arden will never, ever go to the. She won't see her this year, and and I, I say this all the time, but I'm on a, a pretty good streak. I'm not I'm not afraid to jinx it. She's in eighth grade now. She hasn't been to the nurse for something related to diabetes since the last day of second grade. So oh, that's cool. Right. So one day your kid just won't need the nurse. And, and, you know, so, and then they'll still be in that school though. Like, can you imagine if I got to the point where Arden doesn't even need the nurse anymore, but I'm still the, the a-hole that, you know, <laughs> did what, you know what I mean? And that's the kid of that a-hole. And like, you know what I mean? Like that's right. My, my goal is exactly how it's been going for us lately. Like I go into that parent teacher conference. The first thing a teacher says is, you know, I forgot she had diabetes. And I was like, perfect. Now on uh, one end, on one end, you think, somebody else might think, well, now they're not watching her. They're not paying attention. I don't want them watching her and paying attention. And, and right. we're in a different situation. I have the Dexcom. I wanted to beep when she needs it to beep. You know, I, now at this point, when I go in at the beginning of the year, I tell the teachers, listen, I said, there's a beeping system with her phone. If she beeps twice, she's high. Uh, and if she beeps three times, she's under 70. If it beeps aggressively four times, you really, and she's not doing something, I'd really appreciate it if you checked with her. But that's the extent of what I'm asking you. Because the mm-hmm. minute you put them too far into it, then, you know, if they don't know what they're doing, like I, I said it on another show recently, but, you know, Arden had a situation recently where one of her teachers was like, are you okay? Because she heard something beep. And Arden's like, I don't even know what she's talking about. It's like somebody else's phone. It wasn't even mine. And, and I was like, <laughs> right, right. And she goes, yeah, yeah. And so then I did, I texted Arden a little bit later and I said, hey, you're, you're, I think she was 85, but she was starting to trend down. And I was like, go grab like four or five pieces of candy out of that thing I stuck in the room. Because I want to break this down, this diagonal down arrow, and I want it to level out so we can pre-bowls for lunch in a half hour. And she was like, uh, oh, okay. So she got up and got it. Now, keep in mind, her blood sugar is in a perfect spot. Like, it's not bad. I, we were planning ahead for something else. Mm-hmm. Teach, teacher comes up to her, are you okay? You look pale. <laughs> and my daughter's like, looking pale has nothing to do with diabetes. I don't even know. Now the woman's just making things. that She's making herself crazy. Do you, you know what I mean? Because she doesn't know... And to be perfectly honest, I get how much she was trying to help, which was really amazing and lovely, but she needed more explaining. So I found her and I explained it to her better because I, because I don't want her to feel crazy. I don't want her to be worried. And moreover, I don't want her, I don't want her staring at Arden for pigment. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So, it's so, funny you say that, though, because my kid does get more pale when he gets low sometimes. My daughter's just really very Caucasian anyway, to begin with. <laughs> the nurse one time was like, he looks worse than he normally does. I'm like, oh, that's great. Lovely. Thank you. Uh, my children are very, my children get 
slightly darker in the summertime, but are incredibly Caucasian. And so like there, (laughs) there, there are times of the year where I look at my son and I think I can see inside of his body. Like this is the (laughs) whitest kid ever, you you know? So, um, but, but just so here we're coming up on an hour. You've been fantastic. This is exactly what I was hoping for. We're actually in the middle of a thing here where Arden got her braces yesterday So she got up in the morning and she's like, you know, I thought, oh, we'll be okay. My son went through it, but she's much, uh, having much more soreness than, than Cole did. So I look at the things I'm going to pack for her lunch and I was like, Ooh, you know what? None of this is going to work for you. I said, so I (laughs) believe it or not, I got up, got Arden off to school, pumped her full of Advil for her teeth. Then I fed my dogs, took them outside, brought them back inside, ran to the grocery store, bought a whole bunch of soft food to make Arden a lunch with, jumped on the podcast with you. Now I'm going to get off the podcast, put her lunch bag together, take it across the street. <laughs> and she had, and I have to get it to her in the next 20 minutes. So we're doing great, by the way. But, um, but that was just one of those, you know, we talked about it earlier, like it's unfair, right? Diabetes sucks. Yeah. It's unfair. Now you have to unfairly explain it to somebody else. I'm going to spend a fair amount of my day just doing stuff that I really wish I wasn't doing, but it's necessary today. So yeah, happy parenting. Exactly. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Oh man. Well, I hope it was helpful. First of all, it was incredibly helpful, but tell people where you are while you're recording. Are you in your yard? Are you outside? I'm, I'm outside in kind of a screened in gazebo because we, um, we do, um, a balanced schedule. And so we're on fall break. So I'm actually enjoying some weather. And um, I told the kids, don't come outside unless there's, you know, something on fire or someone's (laughs) bleeding because I'm trying to talk to this guy. Um, (laughs) We're just kind of enjoying having the week off and kind of getting our bearings. Very nice. How is the um how is the diabetes going? We didn't really talk about it, but how is your son in general? Are you are you having you know, outcomes you're hoping for? Or, yeah, yeah, we, um, I think I first kind of started listening to the juice box podcast. And, um, when we had gotten, when we had started listening, I was like, Hey, you need to listen to this guy because we had really been, um, he's been on the pump now. Oh gosh, probably over. I think we got, this is, I guess, being year two for us. Mm-hmm. So going on the pump was pretty chain life changing for us because, You know, we could dose him for, you know, of course, smaller increments and things. But getting the Dexcom was a life changer. And we were just, I feel like for a long time, struggling that we could not get his A1C where we wanted it because we were just kind of going by the rules of we have to wait two hours and what happens. And then, you know, we were just frustrated because we're like, we know it's going to end badly in two hours. And we know that in two hours we're going to be, you know, doing this again. So we were thankful to find your podcast. and. Um, my husband and I both have been listening and learning from that. So we were able to um, pretty quickly get his A1C down um, 0.5, I think, maybe a little bit more, just kind of following some of the things and kind of, you know, diving in a little bit more with how we're doing it. And so I feel like we're, you know, gosh, we're still on the um, learning curve of, you know, doing some of that. But it's so much better than what it was when we were starting. Um, I just feel like every little thing, every layer that we add on of knowledge and technology has made a difference for us to where I feel like he's feeling more like a normal kid. And um, 
it's just not as hectic. Well, I'm glad. Uh, that's excellent. I, I, I didn't know what you were going to say, but that's really, that's fantastic. I, I think that that's exactly what I was hoping for for the podcast. And I bet you if you saw a half point drop, I bet you'll see another one again. And I know, hope so. Yeah. It's, it's, we, that's how it starts usually. We are going into the, um, I feel like he's sick right now. So I feel like it just doesn't matter how much insulin we give him because he's just high all the time. But uh, the other thing is I just feel like we are knocking on the door of the teenage um, yeah. all the crazy things that happen with teenagers. And so I feel like that is going to be our new layer of knowledge is how on earth do we conquer this beast of um, becoming a teenager? And, you know, I just feel like his insulin needs are all of a sudden different. And I'm just kind of like, how much insulin are you going to require? This is ridiculous. Well, Trish, here's what I did. When diabetes hit me, I hit back harder. That's all I did. So when Arden hit that, that moment where she needed more insulin, like even when you're talking about the, like right now with the sickness, like I'm thinking I would like, I'd do an increased temp basal and, and like try to jack up his basal and then just keep pushing. If it hits, you hit back. That's, yeah. that's pretty much the, uh, the best thing to do. It, it is really comes down to just remembering the tenets that we talk about here. And the one that, that, that you need right now is if your blood sugar is high, uh, you've either mistimed, miscalculated or a combination of both your insulin. You just need more. That's all you need more. You need to time it better. One or the other. So, yeah. So I feel like we're just kind of getting to where we're trying to work with him too. I'm not sure at what point, you know, does Arden kind of get to where she wants to kind of guess what she needs? Does she ever say, Hey dad, can I, does she want to start doing some of that on her own? Oh no. Arden is, you know, she's 13. She doesn't want to do anything. She wants to watch <laughs> one tree hill on Netflix over and over again. And so, um, <laughs> although she's very diligent about her schoolwork too, but, but you know, like she's, we just sort of do this thing, like whenever I have the opportunity, I'll say, hey, how much insulin do you think this is going to take? And let her mm -hmm. guess. And she's she's incredibly close, you know, to what I'm going to say, which doesn't mean I'm right. You know what I mean? Like, it just means she we're, we're very close to what we're thinking at this point. She doesn't understand the temp basils yet and, like, where to use them and things like that. And uh -huh. I wouldn't I wouldn't let her, like, like, Chinese food might, you know, be a disaster. But at the same time, I just always think of it as I, I've seen over time it just a little bit more, a little bit more gets handed off to her. And then one day I just think she'll look at me and be like, hey, I don't really need your help, you know. And that'll, that should be it. But I no, she's not incredibly interested. She's 13. And, okay. you know, listen, I'm 46. I'm not incredibly interested. I'm just in yeah. charge of keeping her alive. <laughs> so yeah. I've got this job. The state will lock me up if I don't take care of her. So I, I you know, I'm interested by default. But, uh, but uh, but kidding aside, like yeah. there's um no, I think it's pretty common, and I just think that if you give them this firm foundation that this is how we handle it, then you know you, when you I hear some kind of like sometimes there's people who've been in diabetes for decades and decades, and they're like let them be kids, and I'm like no, I'm not saying not let them be kids, but you couldn't give them uh, a framework that is sturdier than just. Ah, right. you know what? Today we're not going to worry about your blood sugar because you're ten and go be a kid. You, you know, you're like that's right. weird. Like, what if we just ex showed them that, like, you know, if you just do these couple little things here, here, and here, you can actually just go be a kid and your blood sugar won't try to kill you. What do you think of that? Like crazy, right? right? Um, but but I think you'll you'll see it. He'll he'll pick some stuff up. Well, he he asks now a lot of times. He'll be like, "Hey, this is what I'm going to do for my correction. Is that okay?" And usually he's. 
he's pretty good. He has a pretty good math sense as well. So I think just by repetition, he's kind of figuring it out. And I'm like, hey, just check in with us. Yeah. And let's make sure we don't need to do a little bit more if you're being a little heavy-handed. So that's I think that's going well. And so we're just kind of teaching him a little bit as he's, you know interested especially about the nudging so mm-hmm. i'll say hey we've got a really nice basal line going let's go ahead and do a nudge and pay attention to what it does let's yeah. just see and so we're we're kind of at that point of doing little nudges to see if we can kind of get that a1c down closer to where we would ideally like it but yeah. your podcast has been super helpful I'm and glad. i just feel like we learn every time we listen so That's beautiful thank you well i appreciate that and listen take advantage of this time because in the next couple of years he's going to turn into a jerk so right <laughs> right, yeah, right <laughs> now thanks for the good news no problem right now right now take advantage of it because he's earnest still you know what i mean like he's not fighting uh, with you so all right sounds Trish, good. Yeah, it sounds good Trish, thank you so much for coming on i'm going to uh go take arden her lunch now good luck with that Thank you very much, Trish. Trish really went on a limb here to share kind of the behind the scenes, what teachers might be thinking when you're talking to them about your child. I thought that was incredibly useful and incredibly important for people to hear. Thank you so much, Dexcom and Omnipod, for sponsoring the Juicebox podcast. I cannot thank you enough for helping keep the podcast on. But honestly, keeping it on for what? For you, the people, the listeners. And how do we get more listeners? Say it with me. We share the podcast with people. And do people always understand what podcasts are? No, that's why we have to take their phone from them. We have to push on Spotify. We have to push on Apple Podcasts. We have to say, look, it's right here, the Juice Box Podcast. I'm telling you to listen. You do this in a very author do this in a very author do this in a very author do this in a very authorian 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 authority authoritarian authoritarian. Wow. There was a mind melt. Do this in a very (laughs) authorization, authorization, authority, authoritarian. Do this in a very authoritarian manner. Use a deep voice. Say, I command thee to listen to the Juicebox podcast. Then rip their phone from them, open up whatever app is appropriate, and download it for them. This is it. You have now gotten a way inside look at me getting stuck on a word, and I'm embarrassed. Authoritarian. Authoritarian. I can say it all day now. Authoritarian. Do it in a very authoritarian manner. Authoritarian. Sure, now it works. Authoritarian, authoritarian, authoritarian. I just go for like, I'm trying to be, you know, people, I'm just trying to make you laugh. Please don't judge me. I'm judging myself enough. Next week on the podcast, more greatness. Authoritarian. 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 Now I can't get it wrong. Authoritarian. I don't even remember how I was saying it before authoritarian. I can't get it wrong now. I could go on for two hours. Authoritarian. 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 This is a bit unbelievable. <sighs> no well.